0: this is dream chasers episode 55 with jeff berwick hey guys what's going on i'm adam carswell and welcome to dream chasers interviews with the future on dream chasers we interview individuals with supernatural amounts of potential based on early success in their careers thank you for tuning in now let's get straight to the interview hey guys this is adam carswell and today i'm joined by jeff berwick jeff is the founder of narcopulco He's originally from Edmonton, Canada, went to college for roughly a month and then they kicked him out. And now Jeff lives in Acapulco, Mexico. Jeff, thanks for being on the show. And do you have any opening remarks for our listeners?
1: Hey, Adam, great to be on. Um, just mentioning that I'm, I'm in uh, Honduras right now, Roatan, Honduras. So I've been traveling around. I just came from El Salvador and uh, on my way to Ecuador, actually. That's wow. where I'm at right now
0: nice and is it a business trip
1: i always say everything's ha- uh, half business half pleasure uh, i'm with my wife uh, we're actually in a beautiful resort here in honduras uh, but i'm i'm doing some things uh, there's uh, some sort of free sort of uh, startup city sort of things going on here so i'm here to check that out as well uh, and then in ecuador i'm going to be interviewing a few people uh, for for my show Anarchast. so uh, Like everything I do in my whole life, it's always a bit of business and a bit of pleasure.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious, El Salvador, Honduras, obviously reputation-wise, not the countries you would think of when it comes to technology. So have you been... Impressed or excited about anything that is going on there?
1: Well, I didn't spend much time in El Salvador. I was just there last night. Uh, I actually sank my boat there about 15 years ago, so I haven't been hadn't been back since. Uh, so I didn't really see a lot in El Salvador on this trip. Uh, I'm here in uh, Honduras for a few days, but I just got here a few hours ago. So. Oh
0: wow! Okay. Uh,
1: not a lot to uh, comment on either at the moment. Although uh, I will say that, uh, you know, this big uh, immigration crisis that they talk about and having to build this giant wall. And what's that gang they talk about? They say it's a El Salvador gang, like MI-13 or something.
0: I have you no have idea. That? No. Uh, yeah, it's,
1: it's total BS as always. Like, I'm like, where is this gang at? You know, it's totally nice in both places here in Honduras and in El Salvador. Right. Uh, just the typical propaganda on television.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we can get into uh, talking about some of that today here too. And then one thing that you just brought to my attention that you, that you mentioned um, with with everything, that the immigration wars or whatever, um, I think listening to your show was the first place that I ever heard the concept that the wall could actually be a way to keep Americans in rather than keeping other people out. And I just love that perspective because no one's talking about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The US is in a state of collapse. The US dollar is going to collapse. It is right now one of the least free countries in the world. Uh, When it all collapses and the US dollar goes down, it's going to be pretty bad in the US. And Every time that's happened in history, usually what happens is the government gets really oppressive. Uh, people try to escape. Uh, you know, that's happened in the Soviet Union when it was collapsing. It's happening right now in Venezuela. So when that happens in the U.S., uh, that wall, if they do build it, I, I saw that they spent uh, $2 billion so far, and it built a mile and a half of the wall. Typical government uh, uh, stuff, total BS. And uh, it's not like that wall would ever stop anyone anyway. I don't know if you've ever heard of things called ladders or <laughs> or the fact that it's surrounded by oceans on both sides and you can just swim around it. You know, in some ways, it, it definitely could be more to keep Americans in than to keep others out.
0: Yeah, and, and so guys, let's get some context here on Jeff too before you start thinking he's just some guy talking about the, uh, the wall and, and Americans getting trapped in there. Jeff's track record is pretty impressive, and I'm going to actually have you uh, shed a little bit of light on it as well because I don't know all the details, but I know you started a company during, during the dot-com boom. I did very well. Um, it still exists to this day. I believe you, you exited. I, I don't know how many subscribers you have now on YouTube, but it's, I think, probably close to 200,000, if not more. I mean, you've, you've, you've done a lot. And if you don't mind, please, please brag about yourself here for a little bit. Some other things that you've been able to do throughout your career.
1: Yeah, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Uh, you mentioned that I got kicked out of college. Uh, my mom's signed, made me go to college. I was so mad because she made me finish high school as well to get my badge of obedience. And I, <laughs> I re- re- barely went at all in the last few years. I actually did a deal with the principal just to go for the test. And then when I got out, my mom said, oh, you have to go to college. And, you know, I was 18 years old and I didn't know. And I was like, okay, I guess, but I totally don't want to do this. I totally want to just go and make some money somewhere. Uh, and and move out of where we lived in in one of the coldest places on earth in Edmonton which i call deadmonton canada <laughs> Uh, so I, I looked at the college courses, and I couldn't get into any like major universities or anything, because I, on purpose, tried to get 50% in every course in high school, uh, just enough to get the badge of obedience and just get out of there. Uh, so I got accepted to a community college in Emmetton, and I signed up for something called uh, media and advertising. And it's kind of interesting, because I'm still in the media business today. Uh, and they kicked me out after one month, and this is back in 1988, and... There was a. They had these little Mac uh, computers with that little tiny green screen, and the guys uh, who were teaching the course were all like, "Yeah, we're the top media guys in Canada. We're the best." They were so full of themselves, <laughs> and, uh, but they didn't even know how to turn the computers on. I'm like, "You guys are complete idiots. You don't know anything." And they're like, "Well, this all new stuff." And I'm like, "Well, why am I even here? You don't know anything about like the future," and uh, they ended up kicking me out. And it's kind of funny because basically, about ten years from the day I got kicked out of the media course in college. I had a uh, media company called Stockhouse Media Corporation worth $240 million uh, <laughs> during the tech bubble. Uh, and then it, that all uh, crashed afterwards. And I went on, I went on to actually discover how, uh, central banking works and how everything works. I actually tried to sail around the world on my sailboat. I actually sank it in El Salvador uh, in uh, Hiquelisco Bay in 2005. And uh, I just traveled from uh, from there. But um, And then I ended up deciding to start the Dollar Vigilante in 2010. I also started my podcast called Anarchast in 2010. And that's kind of led to uh, our Conference in Acapulco, which we just had our uh, fifth one this year in Acapulco, Mexico. So yeah, I'm sort of an entrepreneur, and I travel around a lot, and 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 things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's what we're going to get into here in a second. Um, one more question with that: How did how did you sink your boat? Did you did you hit a rock or, or what happened? I <laughs> uh, I was actually.
1: Um, coming from Guatemala, and I, I thought the currents were really, the, 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 uh, the current was so strong that I thought it was going to take one or two days to get to El Salvador, but it took like four or five days, and there's a lot of storms along the way, and I was exhausted, and I was coming into a bay where there was, up the river was a marina, and they said, don't come in, it's too late, the sun's about to go down, it's kind of like the shallow areas in the bay. Uh, And I was like, I'm exhausted. I just want to go in. And as soon as I started to enter the bay, a massive storm hit, like the the craziest tropical storm I've ever seen in my life. The lightning was so intense, it looked like daylight. It was like one after another, like five things, five lightning strikes per second, all hitting my mast. All of a sudden, it was just, I was in a washing machine for basically a couple of hours on the boat. And the person I was with, who was my ex-girlfriend at the time, who thought she was going on a really leisurely sailing trip. (laughs) with martinis and stuff Uh, she came up from down below and she said the boat's filling up really fast with water and so what had happened is we kept hitting the bottom in this bay over and over until finally the boat cracked and, and uh it started to fill up with water and then we had to swim in basically
0: did you think did you think uh at any point like this is it did you think you were gonna die
1: uh, there was one point I was—we were still in this major storm, and we were up to about here with water. And I said, "Okay, it's time for us to get off the boat." Um, and she—she she didn't want to get in the water, so I put her on my surfboard, and. We went to push off, and the wave pushed us back onto the boat. And you know how they have the stanchions all along the boat? those like, metal rods. And we ended up in between, like, got thrown into the boat. And one was here, and one was here. And I was like, holy cow, this is serious. If we don't put, like, the next time I push off this boat, we better get away from it, or we're going to get impaled on one of these rods. And so I just waited, and as soon as the wave hit, I kicked off, and I, I battled my legs so hard that they both seized up, but we got away from the boat. And once we were away from the boat, everything's okay. Like okay. that's the problem with boats. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, if you get close to land, that's where you have problems. And if you get thrown into the boat, that's when you have problems. And one time a propane tank flew right by my head. Uh, so there was a couple of moments there where I was like, okay, this is pretty serious. I better pay attention here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then we got got away from the boat and then we were fine.
0: Wow. Okay. Wow. That's a, that's a good story there. Um, <laughs> so that, that sounds like almost as much fun as what you've been doing with Anarcopulco, so um, I have to ask you, you, you mentioned you've been doing it for five years. Everyone listening now hopefully is intrigued and wants to know what is Anarcopulco, so let's step into, as I like to call it, the next level chamber. When did you realize an arcapulco was something you wanted to take to the next level
1: uh, well i'll say how it started i was going to a number of freedom events in the u.s things like freedom fest and uh, pork fest and um these would be one called libertopia and every time I'd come back, I'd complain. I'd go, oh man, why do they have these freedom conferences in the US? It's like one of the least free places in the world. I'd always get kidnapped by people in blue costumes because I was drinking a drink outside the bar or something along those lines. <laughs> and, and someone posted on Facebook, they said, well, if you, if you don't like it so much, why don't you start your own Liberty event? And why don't you start it there where you live in, in Mexico? And I just laughed because I was like, well, you know, first of all, it's going to be an anarchist event. And uh, there really wasn't a ton of anarchists back five, six years ago. It was very small. And so I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if there's enough anarchists to make it work. Plus, we're going to host it in what the CIA calls the fourth most dangerous city in the world in Acapulco, Mexico. It's totally not, but CIA is always just lies. I was like, I don't see how this could possibly work. But I am an entrepreneur. So I thought, alright, let's post up. Uh, I, I paid someone half a Bitcoin at the time, which is about 300 bucks. It's now about $4,000 uh, <laughs> for the name. I said, what's a cool name? And someone came up with an Arcapulco, and I thought, that's pretty good. Uh, always like uh, different sort of sounding names. Posted a website and uh, we sold about 70 tickets uh, with about a week left until the event. So I was like, oh man, this is a disaster. 70, that's not very many people. Uh, we're, we're definitely not going to make any money. We're probably going to lose some money. And But at the last minute about another 50 or so showed up so we ended up with about 120 130 people the first year it was a total disaster in many ways. Uh, I was drunk the whole time. Uh, I was very depressed. I was actually very suicidal back then. I'd just gone through two business failures, and uh, but the people loved it. And uh, at the end, uh, we had a bit of a Q and A, and we said, ask uh, some questions. And one person said, "Are you going to do this again next year?" And I said, "I don't know. Uh, it's a lot of work, and we're obviously not making much money. It's only about 120 people." Uh, but then I decided, okay, let's try it one more time. And the next year, we we more than doubled to about three. Hundred people, and it really um, uh, did very well. People just absolutely loved it, and so I thought, okay, I could see like some potential here. Uh, so uh, from that point on, we just continued. Then the next year, doubled again to about six hundred people. And then the next year, it doubled again to about 1,200 uh, people. Uh, and then uh, this year, it was uh, almost a double of about 2,000 people. So, uh, and now it's a real thing. Now it's like something I actually uh, pay attention to if like, I spend time on and stuff like that. But at the very beginning, there was no intention or no, you know, I didn't know if it would work out at all. But uh, now it's become a pretty major thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, very major. I know a lot of people now that have been to it. And I, I don't think I even first heard about it until maybe the third one there that you mentioned. I know it's something that's still on definitely on my bucket list. And hopefully now that we're having this conversation, I'll see you there next year. I guess tell us about watching it grow now. I, I know if I was doing an event, I'd be concerned to the point where like once it goes so mainstream, are people going there still obtaining that, that inside value that they, you know, that they really want? I know you've actually been able to set up other conferences around in Arcapulco now. So do you kind of see it as what's going to draw people in now and bring people to these other informational sessions? Or do you still think that the primary value lies right there at Anarchapulco?
1: Well, Anarchapulco is the main focus for sure. And um, you're right in saying that when you have something grow so big, uh, so fast, that it's really hard to keep it kind of feeling how it did at the beginning. And that's been one of the toughest parts, but I think we did a pretty good job of it. Uh, We brought in a new management team this year, and there was definitely some problems uh, with the new management team because they hadn't done it before. Uh, but in general I think it went really well Uh, I think I'd have to say like I talked to almost everyone at the event even though it's 2,000 people but I'm there it's about five days so I'm there all the whole five days I end up talking to most people and almost everyone says it's life changing the best event they've ever attended uh, these sort of things I've never heard anyone say they didn't like it and um, you know that's the real key is is keeping it even as we grow keeping the real uh, vibe the the way it has been even when it was smaller uh, and we're trying to bring in uh, more People sort of a committee of people who've been around since the beginning for next year, uh, just to make sure because we might um, might be over three thousand people next year, and you know as you grow it just gets harder and harder to keep that kind of vibe that we used to have. The one thing I can say about it is that every single person attending is a voluntarist or an anarchist, and uh, when we're all in the same place, we get along super well. Like it's all like people tell me like I've heard this so many times. The best thing about Anarkiboko is the other people who go Mm -hmm. there, and then you get to meet these other of people. Many of these people come from places like a small town in the U.S. or or New York City or Chicago or actually it's from everywhere in the world people come, but very few people get to hang around like-minded people like themselves. They hang around a lot of status, a lot of people who are like big Trump supporters or big Obama supporters, and and for people like us, that's just really irritating. It's like you know we're not interested at all in this political stuff, and so when you get around like-minded people, uh, it just it's it's just so refreshing. The most people, many people say, it's like the one week of the year where they they really can be themselves, they can enjoy themselves, uh, they can have. Great great conversations and things like that. So so in that sense, uh, even as we grow, I don't think we're going to, um, you know, it's not going to get to like where people don't like it anymore. I think it just becomes a matter of, you know, how do we make it so you still get a chance to meet a lot of the speakers and things like that, because as you get into the thousands and the thousands of people, it gets harder. But we had over a hundred and some speakers, I think over 150 speakers this year. Uh, and almost all the speakers, this is another cool thing about the conference. I go to a lot of conferences myself and it's very rare that you actually get to hang around and hang out with the speakers at like at the bar or at pool or whatever. And our event, almost all the speakers stay all week and you can just go and meet them wherever. And, and just, uh, it's very relaxed and casual. So, uh, um, yeah, but that's going to be a, one of our biggest issues is as we continue to grow, keeping it so it, it's still cool and fun.
0: Right. And I'm, I'm curious about, you mentioned how it is for you. I'd imagine as this thing continues to grow, it might be kind of difficult for you to be there every day. You know, you're, you're Jeff Berwick. Everyone wants to talk to the the creator. Is that something that um, after a while you're like, oh, man, I just can't wait to get home right now? Or, or I don't know what, what goes through your head in times like that.
1: Well, the first uh, few years, actually, I've been I've been working on myself a ton. So I used to drink a lot. And like I said, I went through these major business problems. I was
0: basically bankrupt. Actually, actually, yeah, real quick, um, because you're you're going you're gonna start talking about this. It just reminded me. Um, and you still do this sometimes. But your your walk and talk videos. Even recently, I've i begun doing my own. And someone reached out to me, and they were like. Hey, your videos uh, remind me a lot of, of Jeff Berwick's. I don't know if you, you know who he is. I'm like, oh my goodness. That's like one of the greatest compliments I could have ever had. That's, that's who kind of like inspired me to do this. So, sorry. Uh, you said you've been working on yourself. Continue. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's cool that uh, you're, you're doing your own thing. That's why I, I want a lot of people to do is get out there and do your own thing as well. But, but yeah, I've, I've been working on myself tons. So in the first few years, I was just drinking like crazy. I don't really even remember a couple of years of the conference. Uh, and then, um, and a big part of it too was I wasn't all that comfortable in social situations. People might be surprised to hear that, but when I go to a conference, and I get surrounded by people. It's, it's not all that comfortable but I've worked on myself so much that this year I didn't drink too much uh, and I was able to just enjoy uh, being around all these people all week Uh, I've learned also how to take care of myself so I'll go for a massage or I'll go uh, away for a while for dinner with just a few friends or with my wife at night just to kind of get away from it all but uh no it's it's actually it's very enjoyable actually like now I can totally enjoy it now and uh and just like everyone else who enjoys it because the other people are so interesting and so cool. Uh, it's the same for me. I meet so many amazing people that entire week that it's definitely not a burden at all. It's just it's just a matter of do you have enough energy to make it through the whole week? And I've got enough of a physical regimen now and I have vitamins and all kinds of things that I do um, that uh, that I can actually make it through the week. But it, by the end of the week, yeah, I'm pretty exhausted. I I, I said this year that uh, I I need at least two weeks to recover from it, but it turned out to be about a month. Uh, it just <laughs> trying to you go through it's just a crazy intense week and it takes a while to recover from it
0: yeah and uh you just mentioned also taking your your health to a new level i've been watching you too taking your spirituality to a new level what are some daily things that you're doing now that you feel like you probably weren't doing um at the beginning of an arcapulco and maybe early in your life that you're like wow i'm happy this is a part of my routine now oh man like there's so many things i've changed everything in my life um
1: you know, from the moment I get up now, I'm doing health related things. I have a, something called a beamer. I don't know if you've even heard of that. It's B E M E R. It's like a mat that you lie on, it gets your blood circulating better. Um, I do that. Then I do a coffee enema, uh, meditation, yoga. And this is all before I even start my day, like work day. Um, gym, eating good. I've, you know, I rarely smoke at all anymore. I, I think the last time I smoked was a month or two ago. Sometimes I'll smoke every now and then on a trip. <laughs> Uh, I don't hardly ever drink to the point where I'm drunk anymore. I think the last time was, it's been months at least. Uh, I might have a couple drinks at dinner or something like that. Massages, a lot of spa stuff, uh, Really, what it is is taking care of myself, and it's something that I didn't even know is something you should even try to do until a couple of years ago. And uh, so a bunch, I know, I hang out with a lot of hippies. I mean, going to Ecuador afterwards to hang with some hippies and do some other interesting hippie kind of stuff, and uh, they're always like, you know, you got to learn to love yourself. And I was like, love myself? Like, what a weird, strange idea. Like, I've never heard that <laughs> idea in my life. And uh, and really, that's what it is. It's it's taking care of yourself. Uh, and it was something that I just didn't even know you should be trying to do. And now that I'm doing it, it's awesome. Because like I would never like I'd always actually be hard on myself. I'd always work overwork myself. I'd never like take care of myself, right? And and really, just having that mental switch to a point where I, I'm like, oh, I have to take care of this guy every day. Like, I want to take care of my dogs. I want to take care of my wife. I want to take care of my kids. I want to take care of my friends. But it really, if I don't take care of myself, I can't do any of that. And so it's really just like... uh You know, it's almost like thinking of myself as as a different person that I really care about. And it's like, well, if you really care about that person, let's take care of him. And how are things to take care of him? It's things like doing meditation and yoga and coffee enemas and going to the spa and massages and uh, going to the gym and eating good food and uh, going to sleep at a proper time, you know, like pretty basic stuff. Uh, Going, you know, for a walk in the morning, you know, just get the blood flowing. And yeah, it's just made a massive difference. Like I'm here in Honduras right now. And in the old days for pretty much my whole life, I wouldn't have even done this interview because I'd be pretty hungover because I would have drank too much last night. And then I'd be depressed all day today and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now I'm just not. And and it just allows me to do so, so many more things and, and enjoy them as well.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned you're there with your wife as well. I'm sure it's made this whole process has made an impact on your marriage, marriage too, right? Oh, big time. Yeah, we actually
1: got remarried last year. Uh, wow. no, no government thing, just a commitment, of course. Yeah. Um, but we got married originally about seven or eight years ago. And then we kind of like during my, the, the bad times where I was really depressed, we, we really, things weren't going well. But then I really made a commitment to fix myself and to fix everything in my life. And uh, yeah, it's made a huge difference. So we got remarried again uh, last September. Uh, we're actually here in a honeymoon suite. So I'm calling it like all this year, anywhere we go is like a honeymoon, you nice. know. So yeah, she's pretty happy.
0: <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I actually just followed her on Instagram the other day too. And I can tell she's loving life. So keep it up, man. It's That's good.
1: Yeah, well, she told me something years ago, and it's totally true. And it's a, it's a saying, it's happy wife, happy life. And uh, if if your wife or your partner, whoever it is that you're with, if they're not happy, it's not good. Uh, yeah. And so and that's another thing, too. So it, not just taking care of myself, but also making the effort. It's about effort. And you know, to be in a long-term relationship takes a lot of work. And so I actually put in the work with her now, and now she's really happy. And when she's really happy, I've got no major problems. Uh, And so then I'm happy. So it all works out.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great to hear. All right. So one, one quick, one more quick recap on Anarchapulco. And then I've got some fun questions for you here to close this one out. Within the next three years, we'll say, what's your vision for Anarchapulco? Where do you, where do you see it?
1: Oh man, uh, three years is a long time. I'm surprised how big it's grown. I didn't expect it to grow like this uh, at all. Three years, it's really hard to say. The the uh, basic premise, though, of an Arcapulco is to reach a point where we don't need to have the conference anymore. And mm-hmm. and that would mean that the entire world had woken up from this, whatever the heck happened over the last few hundred years, where they all believe in slavery
0: <laughs> and
1: abortion and wars. Uh, and hopefully people wake up and, and just, you know, um, realize what I, I know, which is self-ownership. You don't aggress against other people. And if we reach that point, we really won't need the conference anymore. So that's really the goal of the conference. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to take at least a few more years and maybe five or 10 or maybe 20, who knows, um, so where, where it's going to be in three years I really have no idea I I, I can't imagine all I really uh, to me the important thing is that we uh, just make sure that we do our best job we can every year and that the most that everyone who attends is really happy and, and just Go from there. Uh, and that's what I do a lot in life. I don't plan too far ahead. It's just, you know, let's make sure the next one's really good and let just go from there.
0: Yeah. And I know you've mentioned this before, too. You don't believe in intellectual property. So, or maybe I said that wrong. You do or you don't? I, I don't even necessarily know the definition
1: don't of it. I believe uh, that uh, you, the government should be enforcing intellectual
0: property. Thank you. Um, that's what I was trying to Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, because of that, anyone listening or who is a supporter of an they could go start their own or do their own. Someone even did that a year or two ago in Portugal and did Anarco Portugal. So any quick message to anyone listening who's looking to create their own Anarco brand, basically?
1: Yeah, actually there's been a number of uh, ones that started up. There was one called Anarco Forco, which was the first one, which actually was in in Acapulco. Um, right after in Um, but they had some problems last year. I don't really want to get into that at the moment. And then uh, the first one that really spun off was in Arca Portugal, and I, I went and attended that, and there was a few hundred people there. That was quite good. And then um, I think the next one was maybe an which I just attended a few months ago. I was in um, somewhere in Arizona, Oh, Sedona. Uh, And then there's uh, one coming up called Anarcho Vegas, which is really interesting. They actually, uh, it's going to be right after Freedom Fest in Las Vegas in uh, July. And uh, they booked at the uh, D Hotel, uh, which was the first hotel, I think, in the world or in Vegas that started to accept Bitcoin a number of years ago. And uh, they actually uh, got shut down just recently by the hotel. So the hotel said, we hear you have Larkin Rose speaking and we hear he's a terrorist, which is <laughs> hilarious because all the guy talks about it uh, is it. He's, so, well, he's,
0: a, he's a really nice guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, so they actually got, uh, the hotel broke their contract with them, but they're still going to have the event, uh, and, but uh, they're keeping it in the secret location for now. So they don't get shut down again. <laughs> and then there's another one coming up in Philadelphia, I believe in September called Anarchadelphia. So wow. yeah, for anyone out there, like I've always said, start up your own if you want, uh, if I'm able to attend, um, and help you promote it, I will. Um, Anarcha isn't about having a conference that makes a lot of money and that we are in it for the money. We're in it because we want the, this, this movement to spread. And if anyone else wants to start another one anywhere in the world, I think that's awesome. And I'll try to support it however I can.
0: I love it. I love it. All right, Jeff, uh, here we go. Three, three fun questions for you here. I'm really looking forward to, to all of them. But some, this first one more than, than the others, I think. So I'd like to know, uh, one, what is your favorite thing about Canada? your home your <laughs> homeland two your favorite cryptocurrency right now and three your favorite part about your event in arcapulco <laughs>
1: uh, canada um well i have to say um there's a number of good restaurants in canada i do enjoy some of the restaurants uh i love hockey uh, i'm a huge hockey fan and there's no better place to watch hockey than in canada and uh what else do i like about canada are you an oilers fan yeah i'm, a, I'm still an oilers fan it's been a Tough 20 years or so, but but I still love hockey. It's awesome. And um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, (laughs) uh, The mountains and stuff are really nice in Canada. It's just too cold and too communist for me uh, and things like that. Uh, My favorite cryptocurrency at the moment, uh, well, there's a bunch, but uh, one that definitely uh, I, I really like more and more almost every day is Monero. And the reason is it's focused on privacy, and I think that's really key. Uh, A lot of people are bringing up with Bitcoin how uh, really every transaction is pretty much totally traceable, uh, Mm -hmm. unless you're really smart. Uh, and, uh, you know, with all these governments in the world and all their extortion rackets, you know, if everyone just gets into Bitcoin and every transaction is easily trackable, uh, then it means it's easily taxable. And I don't want that at all. I don't want to support uh, these criminal organizations with any kind of money. Uh, so I, for that reason, I really like Monero. I think they're, they're the most focused on privacy at the moment. Would you say my favorite thing about Anarchapoco? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. it's tough uh, one, I know. Yeah it's tough. I I'd probably just go back to what I said earlier with the people. Without the people obviously it wouldn't exist but it really is. Like when you walk into the lobby of the we have it at the Princess Hotel for the last uh 2 years and and it's probably going to be there again next year. We're just in in negotiations with the hotel. Um When you walk into the lobby and you see hundreds of voluntarists and any table you sit down at, it's just amazing conversations. And this goes on all week. So yeah, I enjoy it probably for the same reasons that most people enjoy it. And uh, just being around a lot of interesting people uh, who are all doing interesting things in their own ways, whether it be they're involved in the cryptocurrency space, which hopefully will get rid of central banks, which will hopefully get rid of governments, uh, or they're doing you know, any number of different things, uh, you know, podcasts or writing books or or spreading information one way or another. Really, just the le- same reason that everyone says they love it is the same reason as I love it because I, there's no other place like it uh, where you can go. Like, I go to some... I'll be at Freedom Fest, for example... And uh, it's mostly status. It's about 80% status. It used to be about 99% status. So that's changing. Of, of course, afterwards, it'll be are Narco Vegas, but it, it's very small, right? It'd be 100 people or right. something. So there's really nothing like it where you can go and there's thousands of really amazing people that you just hang out with all week.
0: All right. Well, hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. What is the best way for anyone listening or watching right now to follow up and get in touch with you?
1: Uh, well, don't drop by my house. I've had that happen a few times, especially with my walk-in talks. People actually Google oh. Maps. Uh, you know, I don't appreciate people coming to my house, uh, but, uh, no, you can just follow me on, uh, just go YouTube dollar vigilante. Uh, we've got our podcast Anarchast uh, there as well. And basically just our websites, dollar or uh, narcoboco.com, uh, get on the mailing list for them too, because I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if all of them are kicked off with of things like Facebook and YouTube soon. So that'll be the only way that we can keep in contact with people soon. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet.
0: Love it. Jeff, thanks. Thanks once again. Thanks for the, uh, the impact you're making on the world. And as I mentioned, even in my own life, I hope to see you at Freedom Fest again this year. And again, hopefully we can bring some, some more non-statists to Freedom Fest as well. Thank you, man. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Dream Chasers, Interviews with the Future. We will catch you in the next episode. And remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level.